Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, insurers have been caught smoking behind the bike sheds and have fronted up to APRA's staff room for a wrap on the knuckles, or something worse. But the collective smoke fest was in celebration with school prefect Swiss Re handing out Chico rolls and predicting better times ahead. And to finish this Beano comic-themed intro, it's a daring raid for midnight snacks by Zurich while they call out governments to act on carbon emissions. Hello everyone, on the panel today are publisher Terry McMullen, Managing Editor John Deeks and Deputy Editor Wendy Pugh. Hello, Wendy. Hello. You were probably school captain back in your day, weren't you? No, I wasn't. I wasn't the worst, though. (laughs) Good to hear. Hello, John. Morning. Your university stories are infamous, but what's your most memorable school antic? Oh, (laughs) I don't know if I could say. Probably smuggling homebrew into the sixth form common room. (laughs) It's quite possible that will get bleeped out, but that's brilliant. And good morning, Terry. I was going to ask you what it was like going to school in the Jurassic period, but I thought that would be ageist. So instead, uh, what was your favourite subject at school? Definitely English, geography and history, I think, in that order. Was there much history back then? (laughs) Thank you very much, Andrew. (laughs) Well, (laughs) on to this week's main stories from Monday's Bulletin. The Australian Prudential Regulation Authority wants to check out insurers' risk management following the business interruption wording fiasco. Wendy, can you explain what is the regulator saying? Well, they're asking a number of uh, insurers to do a self-assessment of their risk management frameworks to include a look at um, BI wordings that were being used that cited um, legislation that had been repealed. So, you know, this is in the context of these policy wordings citing the Quarantine Act that was replaced by the Biosecurity Act, which was the, the subject of the first test case. And the insurers highlighted in trying to get an appeal through to the High Court about the potential financial impacts to the industry from this. So obviously that's something that APRA is taking note of and um, is uh, wanting to make sure the industry is not doing things that's going to put them in jeopardy. APRA's chairman, Helen Rao, was uh, quite critical in her comments uh, saying insurers are in the business of managing risk but the fact that so many of them were selling policies with outdated wordings exposes uh, clear deficiencies in, in risk management. So she wants them to also have a look at um, their cyber risk wordings and um, they need to report back to APRA by November 30 and then APRA will get back to them and they say they're going to release something to publicly about um, their findings in a general sense uh, as well. Well, you've also interviewed legal experts about the upcoming second test case, haven't you? Yeah, so the, the second uh, test case, unlike the first one, which looked at a, a particular particular uh, Australian thing um, is looking at a number of issues that have also been considered overseas, uh, specifically in the UK, where um, the, the uh, cases were largely decided in favour of policyholders. So I, I spoke to one of the lawyers at uh, the global firm uh, HFW, uh, Sophie Woodward, who pointed out that in some of these broader legal issues, such as causation and business trend clauses that this second case will look at, that the the court may well follow the direction of the UK. But that said, the policies don't necessarily use the same wordings and there are uh, you know, very Australian-specific factual circumstances. Terry, we've said this before, but none of this is a good look, is it? Well, Helen Rowe's right, I guess. The, the industry that demands higher standards of risk management from its customers really needs to be able to uh, show up with pretty high standards itself. Being made to to fess up to APRA about its own frailties, it 
Yeah, no, it's not a good look. And there may well be more bad looks to come from all this as, as the court challenge nears some form of resolution and the lawyers get going with their class actions. While insurers thought they had a, a solid way to block business interruption claims, only they didn't, they nevertheless have a responsibility to their shareholders to explore every option. So they're just going to have to take the heat as it gets applied, whether it's from the courts or from the regulators. That's life. Well, John, our analysis this week focused on a significant Swiss re-report that predicts better times ahead for insurers. What are the key findings on this? Well, yes, the latest Sigma study from the Swiss Re Institute lays out some key figures, and it's good news for insurers. Um, while COVID-19 has clearly impacted the insurance industry, it's also raised awareness of risk generally, and Swiss Re sees this as an important positive factor. When you combine that with continuing rate hardening, particularly in commercial lines, the scales are tipped towards a positive insurance market outlook. Swiss Re says property and casualty premium will rise 4.7% this year in Australia and 3.9% next year. That's compared to just 1.4% growth last year, and it's a similar story globally. By the end of next year, Swiss Re forecasts that total global premium volumes, including life insurance, will plus 7 trillion US dollars for the first time ever. Time to change that stock portfolio, Terry. Has the insurance industry proved its resilience through this pandemic? Uh, that's an interesting question. Yes, it has in many ways. The employer-worker equation's changed and it's continued to operate efficiently through some challenging claims peaks and the, the pandemic. I think we've discovered the sweet spot in technology as well, which will definitely make insurance more resilient. But what much of what Swiss Re is saying relates to the future and the likelihood of a surge in people and businesses transferring more risk as, as the global economy sputters back to life. And that's going to depend to some extent on investment markets recovering. So, uh, yes, we're, we're going to be more uh, resilient and we're probably going to be more profitable, but then it'd be pretty awful if we weren't. So we'll just have to wait and see. Well, despite what we know behind the scenes, insurers in Australia have often stopped short of calling on governments to act on carbon emissions. But Zurich did exactly that this week, didn't they, John? Yeah, so Zurich released a detailed report into the Tasmanian bushfires of 2018-19 and lists a series of recommendations. It says the island state is entering a new era of bushfire risk as a result of climate change and action on emissions is required. It says that while Tasmania's contribution to global emissions is small, it still has a responsibility to contribute to the global effort, and Australia could have a more significant impact on the global stage. Insurers obviously recognise climate change and the impact it has on natural disaster frequency and severity. But as you said there, they don't usually make public calls like this for greater government action on emissions. They tend to steer away from that because I guess they don't want to they don't want to isolate political parties or certain sectors of Australia who who still have a different view on this matter. Regular listeners will already know the answer to this. But Terry, do we need to see more of this kind of rhetoric from the insurance industry? Zurich and the other Europeans like like Allianz and the big reinsurers are increasingly impatient with politicians failing to walk the talk. With, with climate policy. 
Uh, the reinsurers, and, and I think particularly of Munich Re, were trying way back in the 90s to get traction about this, to warn about some of the things that are happening to our weather now, and nobody was listening then. So 30 years later, it makes sense for Zurich to, to make much more noise. The, the size and cost of natural disasters are rising, and as a global insurer, Zurich is all too aware that climate policy needs resolute action right now, not vague promises. So I think we're going to be seeing or hearing quite a lot more from insurers as time goes by about climate policy because it's actually vital to their businesses. Well, while we're on natural disasters, there have been significant floods in Europe and New Zealand. How severe were these events, Wendy? Well, you know, in Europe, the, the pictures from Germany and Belgium in particular have been, you know, very, very dramatic and the um, insurance losses are obviously going to be um, huge I mean, in the billions. And the, the um, Industry Association, GDV, uh, has estimated Germany's losses could be the highest since 2013 when storms, floods and hail caused claims totalling 9.3 uh, uh, billion euro. Um, but um, and also um, we've you know, had that bad weather too in New Zealand, and uh, that's caused torrential rain and flooding in the um, west coast and Marlborough region. And it's too early to um, get any claims estimates uh, from from there. But um, uh, that's also looking like some big losses for insurers in New Zealand. So are we noticing it more or reporting on it more, or is this you know an ongoing thing where we can expect to see more events as climate changes, John? Yeah, well. Um... It's a, it's always a difficult one because nobody likes to pin one particular event on climate change, uh, because if you try and do that, then there's plenty of people to point out, oh, well, we had we had something similar back in the 70s or whatever. But despite what some people say, you, you can blame climate change for both increasing fires and increasing floods. I guess you have to Google it if you want the real scientific explanation, but it's something to do with a warmer atmosphere being able to hold more moisture. So... Unfortunately, we do know that climate change is going to make the extremes more extreme. And while it's too early to understand the full extent of the floods in Germany, as Wendy says, they do appear to be extremely extreme. And uh, even the experts seem shocked by their scale. So, yes, we've always had climate disasters, particularly in Australia. But, um, yeah, climate change is going to make the extremes more extreme and it's going to happen more frequently and uh, it does make you worry about what australia has in store for us in the next few years well that's a sobering thought for uh, the industry and for us well finally the government has released a consultation paper on cybersecurity. john what's this paper about so at the moment the business community is largely left to its own devices when it comes to managing cyber risk this paper from the Department of Home Affairs proposes setting up new standards for businesses to abide by. Now, these standards could either be voluntary or mandatory, and the paper is asking for feedback. A mandatory system is likely to be much more effective, but also much more costly. A personal view, I guess, if you if you think that cyber incidents cost the Australian economy $29 billion each year, it could well be money well spent. Terry, do you think cybersecurity standards should be voluntary or mandatory? Well, I'm not a huge fan of, of mandatory anything, but I think in the case of cybersecurity, if, if you're handling someone else's personal or commercial information, you should expect to be subject to some mandatory form of security 
guarantee around cyber. I think that's the direction that governments are going to head in, like it or not. Insurers need some certainty on which to build cyber risk products. So I, th I think some solid overall security standards would overall be welcome. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Insight Podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, Terry McMullen, Wendy Pugh, and John Deeks. Enjoy your week, and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.